and you are very welcome to this special episode of Beneath the Skin, the show about the history of everything told through the history of tattooing. We are today not necessarily talking about history, but we're talking about history in the making, because what is history only the future and present in the past? So I am your host, Thomas Omani. Matt is unfortunately still absconded away in Puerto Rico, so he's not joining us. He's enjoying being surrounded by iguanas on his honeymoon. Um... But instead, I am joined by three fantastic guests. First is a return of From Our Statistics fan favorite, Peter Oakmond Madsen. Peter, say hello. Hello there. And Peter, would you like to introduce your two friends, which you have kindly provided to the show? <laughs> yes, I would love to do that. Um, so I've managed to drag along one of my old colleagues, Benny, who has Meat Shop Tattoo, which is my old studio in Barcelona, and my good friend Sylvain Lienkme who is, um, he has Ad Inc. in uh, Geneva, where I have guested a few times, and he's guested with me back when I was in Copenhagen, and we've done some weird holidays together and stuff like that. So, yeah. Gentlemen, would you like to introduce yourselves as well? All right. Um, yeah, hi, it's uh, Benny uh, uh, from Barcelona. Um, I took over pizza shop here, Meat Shop Tattoo, in, in Barcelona, in the city center. It's a large shop. It's very, very big, and we... We do both custom walk and it's a street shop, so we do plenty of walk-ins all day long, basically. And Sylvan? Yeah, hi, it's Sylvan. Um, I opened my shop uh, called Ad Inc. Tattoo in Geneva in 2006. And uh, now my shop is uh, running half private, so I'm open for reception two days a week. And I do, uh, uh, well... I usually work on appointment, and whenever it's possible, when I can manage it, I take walk-ins as well. Fantastic. So one thing that is very common among tattooists and tattoo enthusiasts is there's so much curiosity about you know running a shop, what it's like owning a shop. And I think the business has fundamentally changed over the past couple of years. So this episode is going to be focused on you know what is it like running a shop, owning a shop, in 2023 but first of all i want to go around to each of you and talk about your journey going from you know being a young apprentice tattooist dreaming of one day opening a shop to embracing the reality of having to buy to uh, toilet paper you know every two or three days so peter do you want to start us off yeah sure um i started my career in a very haphazard way i had like a i would call it a half-assed apprenticeship and was kicked into the world of tattooing um, by basically a guy who used to be a tattoo artist who taught me the ropes and then, well, kicked me into the world and told me to go tattoo my friends. Terrifying way of doing it. I cannot recommend it to anyone. Um, within a year, I opened a studio with a friend in uh, Copenhagen. Uh, that grew a bit, grew into a much bigger tattoo studio in Copenhagen. And then I absconded uh, to Barcelona. The tattoo studio back then was walk-in, both in Copenhagen and also the Barcelona studio, um, which I only half worked in myself. It was a very large studio in central Barcelona. You'll hear more about that in a moment from Benny. Um, and I started doing only private clients in uh, my private studio up in um, the foothills of the Pyrenees Mountains. Um, my career is heavily influenced by the fact that I'm a terribly nerdy person. Um, we've done a, a previous episode uh, with Thomas. Um, on Viking tattoos and shit like that. And um, yeah, um, so I, I never handle 
uh, walk-ins and stuff like that. I know we're, we're going to be talking a lot about the, the day-to-day life of tattooing. Um, I do have a very, very busy studio nowadays. I'm in the northeast corner of England in a small place called Whitley Bay that no one's ever been to. And if they say they have, they're lying because no one goes here. Um, where I have, well, it's supposed to be a small private studio, but it's turned into this um, miasma of humans with a lot of skills. So I have a book editor and two social media experts and another tattoo artist working with me as my assistant. And things tend to go a little bit out of hand whenever I um, I start anything. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm in this hurricane of creativity. And it's wonderful, but... Um, yeah, there's never a quiet day and lots of toilet paper just get consumed for various reasons. Specifically by you or just people in general? People crying. Now, uh, just you know, large people poop a lot, I guess. I mean, as, so, as someone who also had a very large beard up until relatively recently, I understand the struggle of having to, you know, wipe your face down after every meal. Benny, what about yourself? Um, so my journey, I, I, I apprenticed. Um, in a shop which I really didn't it was a disaster basically but I kept on insisting on being a tattooer and worked in various shops some better than others and I eventually started working at, at Mitchell Tattoo uh, with Peter and um, after a couple of years working at the shop um, he moved to Whitley Bay and asked if I wanted to take over um, which I was one of those kind of tattoos that said, I never want to have a shop. I never want to have this responsibility. I never want to do this kind of a stuff. Um, but the shop is so nice and um, it seemed like a great opportunity. So I took on the idea of running a shop. Uh, it's been about three years now. Um, I myself still do walk-ins pretty much every day. We open seven days a week. It's, it's a very large shop. Um, it's two floors. Now we've added a third floor to it. Um, we're like 15, 16 tattooers, um, three shop managers, uh, seven days a week. So it's um, been more like a factory mode, if you want to call it, um, production. But at the same time, we cater to small designs and custom work and body suits and sleeves and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm an owner who didn't want to be an owner. That's basically me. <laughs> And Sylvain? Oh, well, um, when I started uh, my apprenticeship, uh, it was in 2001. Uh, but I've been, I did my first tattoos in uh, 99. And uh, I was geeking a lot about tattoos in general. Um, did my apprenticeship for uh, basically a person where, where, with which it didn't happen very well in the end. But anyway... Uh, I didn't have a lot of connection at one point. I needed to uh, to get away of that kind of relation, um, and uh, ended up opening a, a, a little shop in in Geneva. So that was in two thousand six. Uh, I've always been very geeky, but about tattoos. Uh, so I kind of knew what people were talking about, and they were seeing projects that they liked back in the day it was mostly in from magazines and uh yeah i mean uh during the years my shop became a lot more private than it was in the beginning i ended up working alone where i could express myself with a more personal style um i still love 
to please everyone who comes. And I know that the impulsion of a walk-in is based on the satisfaction of having uh, the tattoo done as fast as possible. I mean, within, you know, usually on the day, uh, but that's not always possible, especially when I'm now working mostly on larger pieces. Um, and, uh, well, since I'm alone tattooing in my shop, I, uh, well, toilet paper is a lot easier to manage. <laughs> <laughs> your accountant is uh, happy you're spending less money on toilet paper. I, I, I do have a fantastic receptionist that is my assistant, and she's uh, working for me two, two days a week when uh, opening hours are uh, reception days open. But uh, the rest of the time, it's me and my clients, and it's one-on-one. So, um, so yeah, I mean, managing uh, uh, the, the – oh, I'm lost in translation here – but managing the orders and the supplies is kind of easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to, like, throw it out there, and I want to let the three of you discuss it between yourselves. What are all the steps that – are really important when you first decide, okay, I'm going to open a t- tattoo studio and then actually opening the doors. I know, Benny, you inherited the shop from Peter, but also you can talk about that transfer process of, well, it's moving from one owner to another. Feel free to argue among yourselves. Oh, wow. It's a good subject. It's a good question. Um, I remember telling Benny that because we had a lot of talks about even before I was leaving my own studio in Barcelona about how it was to run a studio and how it was to deal with other tattoo artists. And I think I tend to describe it as being like a cat herder, except all the cats are on mescaline. Um, and that is, to date, still my biggest issue. The moment you hire other tattoo artists to work with you, if you're not alone in your studio and you have other artists, there is just an almost daily fuck around that you have to deal with. Just manic, crazy shit where... A tattoo artist doesn't show up and you call them and they've, they've left the country um, or they've been kidnapped. Stuff like, It's just the weirdest shit always. Or they're just lying. <laughs> like, there's so many insane artists out there and especially the breed that becomes tattoo artists. Holy shit. Um, so I remember warning about that and I have dealt with my fair share both as a shop owner and as a guest artist, especially when I worked in New York a lot. I, there was some weird shit going on. That's my biggest hurdle. It always has been. Yeah, I can confirm for sure. Uh, managing the day-to-day of, in the case of each shop right now, 15 eccentric people, each one with their own quirks and emotional needs um, can be tiring, um, strange, but also very satisfying sometimes. Um, I guess it's like having kids, lots of kids with ADHD. They're not your kids, but you have to be there them you're being a hostage negotiator on a daily basis pretty much i have five children none of that has been as insane as dealing with tattoo artists i yeah i'd like to add something uh as i'm mostly working alone i'm also opening my shop to have uh, guest artists so from my end why i understand uh if you are working on a daily basis with other artists well you have this uh well, you have this uh, social human aspect to, to deal with, and that can be sometimes maybe challenging, but it's also very uh, 
Very interesting and very uh, rich to share this passion uh, about being totally uh, driven into uh, into a job that we love to do every day. So I'm I'm always happy to have guests for a certain amount of time because uh, I can dedicate myself to be a hundred percent there with the with the time we spend together. But it's also good to get back to that sort of. Um, calm after the storm you're, kind of you're a bit of a solitary creature yeah i mean as as time goes uh by it it becomes something that i'm really fond of uh used to i used to back you know in the days i i had a uh one apprentice and then another and i did also have a, a co-worker where I, who I was working with but it's it's also nice to to work uh, on sometimes a little bit be productive on your own uh but when i hear people talking about uh working with uh, tons of other artists i kind of miss it you know when i would when i will travel again and uh and um, do guest spots and uh share the experience of working with uh, tons of other artists that's super cool as well and benny i want to ask you because I'll, the other two guys i'll ask them next but obviously with a big shop with a lot of tattoo artists and a lot of customers coming in one of the things that I would assume that's very difficult is to how to curate the atmosphere in the shop. How do you kind of, I suppose, from the decor to the music to the flash on the walls, what what do you have to think about when you're managing, whether it's three artists in a shop or, you know, 15 like you do? Um, well, um, the shop is, it's, it's the ceilings are really high, like, Four or five meters, probably, and and the decoration is is pretty much how Peter left them. Um, I like to describe it like as a cabinet of curiosities. Um, the walls are full of quirky, semi-tattoo related artworks, but it doesn't look like your traditional tattoo shop that everyone can picture in their mind. So even for someone who is not connected to the tattoo world, doesn't even want to get tattooed. It's nice for them to walk around and see this space and the things on the walls. Is it African masks or bones or skulls or, I don't know, dioramas like 3D paintings and stuff like this? Um, it sets a nice vibe. Um, it all, the lights are all warm, warm lighting and Music-wise, ah, depends who's manager on the day. It could be uh, punk rock all day long, or it could be a mix of ethnical electronic music or modern indie music. Um, the good thing is the managers that we have, um, they kind of read the vibe in the shop. So maybe if people are angry, maybe not blast too much uh, death metal all day long and go for something happier. And because it's a big group of people i think um like the energy that is creating the shop permeates to everyone else so there's those days where everyone comes in and everyone's angry and they have had a bad day and they're all going to be like oh you know i'm gonna have, to have a shitty day and we're all gonna have a shitty day together but most of the time even though you only remember the bad days um it's you know we're all happy and it's like a ballet of good mood and jokes and drawing and we're happy to be pirates and tattoo all day long and that's mainly the mood, I'd say. But you remember the the shitty ones. But like to be honest, and you can be honest with me, have you left all the decorations up because Peter placed like some runic curse on them and you're afraid to remove them? 
No, I, 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 I don't think I don't think that that would have happened. I don't know. Maybe who knows? I mean, we haven't changed much. Peter, did you did you place runic curses on the decorations? No, but I did place some decorations that are so fucking ginormous and heavy that taking them down would be a fucking nightmare. Yes. Including like a kaffa buffalo skull that weighs a good. 80 kilo or something like that. I, yeah. I remember trying to hang it. That was a nightmare. I imagine taking it down would be a death trap. So, yeah, that's also it's still one there. of the reasons. <laughs> no, I mean, it was beautifully decorated as well. So, it, 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 it's a beautiful shop. And, Peter, obviously, you went from Meat Shop to your current studio. What things did you do differently when you were creating your new studio? What did you learn anything from Meat Shop that you wanted to bring over to your new shop or was there anything that you wished you could have changed with Meat Shop that you did differently? Um, well, I think we should mention that when, when, we, when we got the Meat Shop location in Barcelona, it was a really, really weird space. It was already a tattoo shop owned by someone else and it had been painted, all of it was like battleship grey um, with bad paint job. It was really unpleasant to be in that atmosphere. So I hired a team of builders and we renovated the entire space, put in a massive wooden counter where we stained everything with warm tones and all these things. There's these beautiful iron pillars in the shop that we we paid a guy to repaint them so they're marbled, um, had the, the massive windows in the front. We had them um, done with this uh, traditional window painting and stuff like that to give it character because the whole place just lacked character. Um, and it managed to take the place from being v- very unpleasant, really, to be a warm and welcoming and curious space, like this whole like eclectic, sl- slightly museum-y feel to it. Um, and I've always enjoyed being in a space where everything around me has a history and has points of interest. Um, and I always found it to be really good for the clients when they're getting to chew, that they have a zillion things to look at on the walls. Keep them entertained. Um, but if you let people be entertained by staring at their phones or watch a movie or something like that, they tend to drop their fucking phone while you're trying to do straight lines. Um, or just like, they get distracted in a weird way. It's not, to me, not always good for the atmosphere. So I, I try to create a, a living space around them. Um, pieces of conversation kind of and i've definitely taken that with me um i harvested so much artwork in my years in barcelona that i just had rolled up in piles because i never got around to frame it and now i've framed almost all of it and my studio is packed um and there's so much weird shit here so i definitely brought that with me um the only thing i didn't bring with me from barcelona was the the quantity of tattoo artists really because it just, it wasn't the life I wanted anymore. Um, it's also not suitable. I mean, you couldn't run a tattoo studio with 10 tattoo artists in Whitley Bay, um, whereas Barcelona is very, very suited for it. Um, that would nearly double the population of Whitley Bay. Probably, yes. Um, easily. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think I just, I really enjoyed what we did with the studio. It's really nice right now on the screen I can see behind Benny. It's it's the same as what we built. It's it's a beautiful studio. So I'm I'm it's the only hallway that, that hasn't been changed. Benny's specifically <laughs> sitting there, so you don't get mad. He's nah, in his nah, own. It's all the same. Room. If anything, I've just added on. Um, I I now collect like, like African tribal masks, so I've added that. But it fits in with this um, 
Curiosity Museum vibe that it has. Mm-hmm. And Sylvain, um, obviously you work on your own, so your space is totally your own. Where do yes. you, <laughs> I suppose, where do you stop filling it with stuff that I want to look at all day and then find that middle line of, okay, here's some interesting stuff that customers might want to look at or might find inviting? You've not found that middle line, Sylvain. Oh no, yeah, it's it's uh, behind well, him is a giant mirror with a with a Baphomet goat's head and a pentagram in chains. So you know, yeah, well, um, I haven't really given a, a, a deep thought about where to place my laptop, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, depending on how I turn it around, there's a lot of other things to look obviously in the shop. But I would have to say, finding that middle ground uh, took me a long time. Um, the decoration of the shop had two major changes within the years. Um, so when I when I started uh, decorating the shop, it was just kind of an exploration. And uh, there's been the first change that happened was there was a flood at one point uh, many years ago, but I can't re- remember, maybe 2012 or something like that. There was a flood in my shop. So basically, I had to run around in the morning at 9 a.m. to save the furniture from the water that was pouring from the ceiling. And uh, then it was a disastrous event. Uh, most of my decoration was just gone. Uh, the the prints that I had on the walls was finished. And uh, uh, then I... But that was the occasion to repaint. And uh, I changed the color of the walls. So that was the first big step. And the second step was after COVID, where I, where I realized that I can, I mean, having owning a shop or owning a space is a very good occasion to display what I want to tattoo and uh, things that I uh, want to, to tattoo on people. So I started to paint lots of flash and, uh, and make larger paintings and try to uh, encourage people to see what I have to to show out for myself and uh, displaying, you know, um, stencils and uh, back pieces and just laying them around. And uh, that was a good occasion also for my customers when they show up in my studio, they are literally inside of my portfolio. They, they can even watch, uh, look, look at my my other flash, but that can be a source of inspiration. And as Peter was saying, uh, it's also very distracting from the pain when they're just staring at one million designs around them. And by the time we finish a tattoo, maybe they are inspired to get uh, another one because they just saw that little dragon on the top that's you know shooting lasers from the eyes or whatever. And... Uh, and it could be a, a good idea to to jump from that to another one and so on. And maybe being a bit controversial, I want to ask you each, what's one thing you love seeing in a studio and one thing that you hate seeing in a studio when you walk in? You don't have to name specific studios. Um, Sylvan, do you want to go first? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> well, uh to be completely honest, I haven't seen a lot of studios over the last few years after COVID. Um, but I would say what speaks to me when I come in a shop is I, I like to feel the vibe of whoever's working in it. Uh, some sort of uh, 
well, you know, if there's art from the artist or art that inspires us, it's good to, to, to have nice decoration and that's always nice. But, uh, but the, the, the art of the people who are tattooing uh, is maybe a good idea to, to, to have on display somehow. It feels more like home or somehow. It's, it's, it's difficult to, to, to use the right words for that. But I would say if I come in a shop and I have the feeling that I'm in a clinic, you know, uh, like a... I guess what I like to see in a shop would be artwork, but that's um, handmade, unique, um, not just photocopies of Flash. And um, I'd, I'd say a mix of antiques uh, inside, not just to make sure that everything's not IKEA furniture. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, nice, nicely curated and selected artwork and and furniture, really, and good music. Yep, you're offending the Nordics by saying no IKEA. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean some IKEA, some IKEA, but not all the shop IKEA. Um, you know, like a catalog um, kind of thing. And what I dislike. Um, I don't know. Um, I really like these, um, we call them like beach tattoo shops where they have like pictures of, um, really like henna tattooing kind of flash or pictures of other people's tattoos on their walls and maybe a Chesterfield so um, sofa in the middle, that kind of thing. It gives me like a copy paste. Uh, I've seen a million <laughs> tattoo shops like this before kind of a vibe. Mm. So what the I think what the two because I'm going to go to Peter in a second because I know Peter will have loads of negative things to say things that he does not like, <laughs> um, but it seems like both of you are really agreeing on that a tattoo need tattoo shop needs to feel like people actually work there and it hasn't been designed quote unquote that it has evolved almost like the artist has over time that you know yes you might have you might have guessed it in some shop and you picked something up in that city and you brought it back to your own shop and it's just a collection of your experience as an artist completely yeah i i'd like to add something uh it's uh, uh as being passionate about tattooing when i go to another tattoo studio i i i'm searching for this connection so whenever i meet a t- uh, uh, when i come in a tattoo shop and the the you can see you can feel that there has been thought and process into uh into decorating the place but also that it is personal it's owned uh by someone who's involved into uh this whole life it's it's something that you can that you can see compared to uh, a generic shop that is unpersonal that's been just like decided all at once by some kind of random design purpose, but then you just static in, in there. So, so sometimes a decoration of the shop can be a little bit overwhelming, but it's also something I really love about a space, uh, about tattooing, uh, when it's like tons of stuff and, and souvenirs and, uh, and, and, and prints uh, signed by, by other artists, stuff like yeah, that. That, that. That sounds fantastic. And, we we have to go to Peter Opinions Madsen. Peter, what have you got to say? Oh God, I have been given a label. Thank you very much, Thomas. <laughs> um, I do have opinions on so many things. Uh, 
as the lads say, right, the dynamic growth of a studio, that you can see that this is not just something out of Pinterest or a catalogue. Because I've, I've walked into tattoo studios that just, they look like they have been shopped out of a catalogue. And it is weird and unpleasant. I, I love to go into a space where you can see history dripping off the walls. Um, I particularly like when I can see that each artist that works there has been given the right to influence their own workspace. That itself also gives me an impression if I would want to be tattooed by those artists, because if they don't decorate their own space, um, if, they, if they don't feel that they uh, are inhabiting their, their space properly, um, then I, it, it sort of puts me off, because I, I, I prefer to be tattooed by someone who feel like they are at home where they are going to be stabbing me with needles. Um, so yeah, that, that is really my, my only pickiness. I do love walking into tattoo studios that are unique and thought out differently. Um, just because, but I like an adventure. I'm also socially anxious. So when walking into a space that's completely different, it can freak the fuck out of me. But it is an, it is an adventure in front of you. It's, it's hard to not appreciate. And I've been to studios where it's just so different than what I've ever walked into. I walked into a tattoo studio in, in Germany once and everything was like a 1920s lounge, heavy velvet furniture and stuff like that with plants everywhere. It's fucking amazing. I loved it. Um, stuff like that so that it becomes an experience to, that you, you remember the space you were tattooed in. It's not just the tattoo you're carrying. It, it becomes a whole thing. That mm. is something I really appreciate. And one thing that I would also like to add that, it, funnily enough, I was talking to my partner about it and she said a big red flag for her if she goes into a studio that has like more than like four or five artists is if it's only men, she'll be like, no, not, not getting tattooed in there. Just because obviously tattooing has had a reputation of a bit of a man's club as well. But going back to kind of the business aspect of it, obviously COVID fundamentally kind of changed the tattoo industry where you know, different countries had different regulations. It might have been easier for some people, harder for some people. How has the post-COVID period and your experience during COVID changed how you run your business? <laughs> uh, allow me to start off with that one, because holy shit. Um, so when COVID happened, I was completely screwed because I only had international clients. I had recently moved to England and I already worked on clients from all over the world when that happened. And I'd never really focused much on uh, Britain as a, a base of clientele. Um, so I didn't, all of a sudden all the airports were closed. So I had no canvases. And we started like trying to put feelers out and see if we could get to tattoo locals. And then even that was shut down. So my, my assistant Haywood and I were just, you know, twiddling our thumbs and realizing that we were going to go bankrupt very, very quickly. Also because we were new in the country, there was no government support for us, um, dirty immigrants that we are. So, so we had to rethink and we ended up rethinking by doing a Kickstarter where we, uh, we basically started to make a book. And since then, uh, it has, it, that has gone from, I'll make a book which turned into make a book and t-shirts and merchandise. And we now have a very, very active web shop that has like great revenue and it functions. But I have become a publicist because of COVID, uh, which is really weird. Um, Post-COVID, 
it was very easy to get back on track for me because my clientele were just waiting, which is a luxury of being highly specialized. You have a waiting list and people just want to, they want to get decorated. Um, and it's one of the beautiful thing about, things about humans that are passionate about art. They fucking can't wait to get stabbed by needles next time. So getting back on the horse was easy enough. It has changed my life. I'm very busy trying to both tattoo and make books, but it's all for the better. And it's a good retirement plan. So fuck it. <laughs> Anyone else? Um, yeah, for me too, uh, the COVID changed a lot of things. I, first of all, well, Switzerland wasn't too hard uh, on like uh, lockdowns and stuff like that. But we had to close for, I think it was five weeks the first time. And uh, in 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 about 20 years, I haven't stopped tattooing for so long ever. So I was very nervous about it. Um, but that was actually the occasion for me to uh, open my eyes and realize that it's the it's an opportunity to to paint more, to be more productive about doing all the things I don't have to the time to do when I'm uh, uh, when I'm drawing for clients and uh, and all of that. So um, since COVID happened, uh, now I'm a lot more focused on giving a good experience to all of my customers, one after the other, and uh, trying to save more time to be artistic, pro artistically productive, paint more, uh, and try to, to improve myself. So it's also after, after COVID, uh, I, I started to, to paint a lot more on, on the walls and, and display my flash. So now, since my shop was opened in 2006, and I never kind of never moved since I opened, um, I'm one of the old, the old timers in town. Uh, and as soon as COVID uh, uh, lockdown stopped, I was uh, booked, and I've been working pretty busily since. And I don't know if you say busily in English or does that. <laughs> it works. It works. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if I'm trying to say that it's it's been uh, now. I'm trying to find a better balance between art and uh, and well, artistic painting and stuff like that, and uh, and tattooing and taking care of clients. Yeah, r roughly that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> All right. So for me. Um... I just took over the shop uh, three months before COVID exploded. So I had pretty much no experience running a shop, uh, let alone uh, running it during a pandemic. And Spain was one of those extremely restrictive countries. Um, and I think the first time we were locked, uh, locked up was about three months. So that was, that was, that was a bit of a shock, let's say. And. Yeah, personally, on those months, I, I took time to paint and I sold merchandise and artwork and I did okay, personally. Um, but the shop was a struggle because we had just taken over. Um, luckily, we managed to rent out the space for a filming with uh, Netflix. And they paid loads of money for this, so that managed to pay all the bills. Uh, Can you say we, what it was? Uh, oh yes, uh, God! It's a Spanish remake of a French film, and the Spanish name is called Centauro, like Centurion in Spanish. And of course, it's based. Uh, it was about 
a guy and his girlfriend and they sell drugs and of course the drugs are sold at a tattoo shop because that's what we really do and they filmed uh, the scenes of the drug uh, exchange and kind of stuff in in a in a tattoo shop in this, in this case it was here at our shop, the shop. <laughs> it, i mean that's what we really do isn't it that's what, that's what films think of what we do. and that was good because it gave us both businesses money. involve a heavy amount of cash flow so yes yes i mean i guess it's um in the old days it might have been anyway um that 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 they paid very well so uh we could pay rent uh, being a big shop rent is very expensive here and the funny thing is that when they allowed us back on the outside of our houses and walk around and it was a boom. Everybody wanted to get tattooed for some reason. I think people were either locked up and had too much time to think about it, or, you know, the world's going to finish. I'm going to get that stupid tattoo I always wanted, or who cares about anything anymore? I'm just going to do it. So there was a kind of a crazy amount of work. We weren't expecting, expecting it. It's, it's true. After COVID, uh, people were running in the shop and, and they're like, I don't want to wait anymore. Uh, let's go. Let's do this. Uh, Plus, I mean, there wasn't that many distractions because of the the, the lockdowns, you know. So they all kind of rushed in. Uh, it was same uh, for me too. How how was it for for you, uh, uh, Peter? Did you you had only customers uh, waiting uh, well, abroad? It was definitely an influx. We've also managed in the meantime to grow our English clientele. But what I've noticed is that COVID has caused a lot more people to want to get their hands, necks and faces tattooed. Um, it's, it's this whole like, well, fuck it. Everything is stupid anyways mentality. Like people, people have now experienced being cooped up in their apartments. So they just don't. There's a lot of people that just don't give a shit. I've done so many more headpieces uh, within the last year and a half than I have in my entire 12 year career. It's surreal. Um, and I think it has something to do with that mentality that people got from from experiencing a world pandemic. Like, oh my God, it might all end. So why the fuck should I care? And I get it. I I applaud that mentality. Fuck it. Um, we all we all have to conform under all of these social stigma rules. Just do what the fuck you want. As long as you get good tattoos on your face, I'm happy. I don't want to have to cover up bad facial tattoos <laughs> and that that seems like the most important thing do you think it's actually going to become a, a, a label like this is my post-covid tattoo like this is my post-covid face tattoo <laughs> uh, maybe not post-covid face tattoo but i've met a lot of people who have that all like yeah i got this tattoo right after covid you guys must have done tattoos that basically happened as benny said like Right after COVID, people came rushing to the shop. Those people would go out into the world, and when they hang out with their friends, and they're like, "What's that tattoo?" It's like, "Oh, it's my post-COVID thing." I was like, "I've, it's a cheese sandwich because I lived off cheese sandwiches for three months. COVID was hard, man." Exactly, exactly. In Spain, we had a crisis with the toilet paper. People were buying toilet paper because they were said it was going to run out in the supermarkets. So one of the very popular tattoos that we did at the just with a minute we opened it was toilet paper rolls and like toilet paper roll i survived covid and all this kind of a stuff so yes yeah, so that was a common one it all comes back to toilet rolls but ah, exactly it's a but it, it's really funny because post covid when i was trying to get tattooed i found it was when i was still living in dublin it was nigh on impossible to actually get an appointment because every artist had like six months nine months worth of 
backed up appointments and only a certain amount for newer clients. Have you found that now that things have kind of leveled off, is are you busier than you were before COVID or are things kind of the same? Hmm. Things right now for me, because I'm in England and our government has fucked everything over so violently that um, I can see a lull in especially British clients. And I think globally, this whole war between Russia and Ukraine and economical issues, it's slowing a little bit down. But I mainly do like full sleeves and body suits and shit like that. So I think people are being a little bit careful with how they spend massive amounts of money. Uh, but, but when I say it has slowed down, that means that my waiting list has gone from 200 people down to like 150. So it's it's not like I have an issue with this. Um, but I can see on our statistics that there's definitely something happening. Um, I, I don't think it has anything to do with COVID. I do think that COVID boosted the tattoo business. Also because people were bored and probably watched, watched too much Ink Masters and shit like that. It always does weird things to people. If you watched Ink Master, the newest season, you can listen back to me and Matt's reaction and watch along that we did on this podcast. One of the things I noticed um, this COVID, I mean, right now work is it's going, it's well, it's, it's busy, as busy or busier than before COVID. But uh, I've noticed that a lot of people have been locked up in their houses or in their country for two years now, maybe three, I don't know, at this point. And they couldn't say have any holidays. Some people go on holidays twice a year. They've been locked up at home, no restaurants, no spending. So people who were lucky enough to have the same salary and just accumulating a certain amount of wealth. And now that, you know, air travel and everything is back to normal, let's say, they're splashing out and instead of getting that one tattoo a year, they're going to get three because they've been three years locked up without getting a tattoo. So in the past year, let's say, where things have been more normalized, uh, it's been very, very busy, and I've noticed people traveling to get tattooed and getting tattoos that they always wanted to do because they've had this extra income accumulated during the, the period. I think it's worth mentioning that the shop that Benny owns, Meat Shop Tattoo, is dead center Barcelona, which is one of the most insanely busy tourist cities in the world. And when, it, when I had the studio, I would guesstimate that half of the clients that were there were tourists. At least half. Like it was not a large quantity of locals, um, so I imagine that it must have uh, fanned the fires heavily for you. It still is. It still is um, tourist uh, souvenir tattoo, as I like to call it. Uh, there's also the more specialist customer who still comes from abroad but gets their like nicer, more researched piece, and then each tattoo has their own customers. But I'd say fifty percent is easily. A true walk-in tourist souvenir tattoo. For me, it stays the... Yeah, for me, it it's actually since uh, COVID happened, I feel like I have more customers than I used to. Also, because Geneva is a very international city, there's a lot of people working here, but who come from abroad and they've had like uh, some kind of contract to work for a couple of years in Geneva, for example. So I meet a lot of people who are here for a limited amount of time. Um, but also the fact that we couldn't travel for a while made uh, the local clientele look more into what do we have here? What's available in, in my hometown? So somehow I got kind of discovered a little bit more. I have that feeling that it's been 
increasing and also um i have a lot of customers who are people who come back they they go for one arm and as we're tattooing one full sleeve uh they ask for the second one and so on and so forth and that's also what i really want to to build with my clients so um there was definitely a change after lockdown because uh, bars and restaurants were still closed. And so people had that ton of money that were actually spending on other things before. And all of a sudden, there's, there's tattoo money that's available. And I could actually see a point when, uh, when the bars opened, all of a sudden, there was a percentage of clients who were just, ah, it's getting more difficult now financially, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, um, I, would, I would maybe consider some of those clients a little bit more impulsive, and it's all right. And uh, there's also the customers who have been planning their tattoo carefully for months, and they are looking for the right artist. And then they want to start the project when there's not too much sun, when they're you know, available to uh, do a several sessions and they're serious about their uh, their request. So I I try to please everyone, but uh, I can definitely see that there's been a, a more steady demand since COVID for me. Hey, are you enjoying the show? If you really like Beneath the Skin and you want to help support us, you can do so on Patreon. For little as five quid a month, you can help make this show possible, help us buy research materials. So if you like the show and you want to support us, consider kicking us a few quid a month and you'll get everything from bonus episodes to Q&As and you can even vote on what tattoo I'll get when we reach a certain subscriber count. Matt, have you got anything to say? You should really definitely uh, fund the Patreon because tattoo history is massive, right? Deep, wide, complicated. We're covering some big hit topics on the main feed, but on the Patreon subscriber-only feed, we'll be getting into some really more interesting, niche, deep topics you don't want to miss out on. And honestly, the chance to kind of decide what Thomas gets on his body is probably just a once in a lifetime opportunity. Subscribe, chuck us a few quid. Don't miss out on the chance to ruin Thomas's body forever. Everyone knows that tattoo aftercare is one of the most important steps in getting a new tattoo. We all want our fresh new tattoos to heal as easily and hassle-free as possible so we can show them off to the world. That's why Saniderm's here to help. Driven by science and innovation, Saniderm products have been thoroughly tested and used by doctors and tattoo artists alike for over 10 years. Saniderm brings cutting-edge technology to make your tattoo healing process a breeze. No more messing around with cleaning and plastic every few hours with Saniderm's amazing range of aftercare products. I personally have used Saniderm to heal my tattoos in the past, and they made what used to be a daily process of setting reminders on my phone to clean and rewrap my tattoo into a one-step process. Their medical-grade products include aftercare balms, soaps, and my favourite, their second skin aftercare bandages. Saniderm's tattoo bandages are designed to be waterproof, breathable, and keep your new tattoo protected from whatever the elements can throw at it so you can get on with your day worry-free and confident your new tattoo will look vibrant and will heal faster. Plus, their products are all natural and ethically sourced, so you can take comfort in knowing that you're healing your tattoos with nature's finest ingredients. So next time you're in an artist's chair, why not try Saniderm, healing your tattoos the modern way so you can get on with your day. 
Check out the link in the description of this episode for discounts on a range of Sanoderm products or for more information. And like one thing I think after COVID or maybe before COVID, depending on your opinion, that I'm sure tattoo artists love talking about is how to market yourself. And obviously we have the master of social media, Peter Madsen with us. And uh, that's obviously a big part of how you market yourselves as a tattooist at the moment. But I want to talk about, you know, all the other stuff that you do as well and what you think works, what you think doesn't work. Like I myself, we're recording this on the 10th of January in three days time. I'm going to get a two Friday the 13th tattoos. Um, Something like that is obviously a big tradition uh, in the industry. But, you know, what are you doing now that you mightn't have considered maybe a couple of years ago or what are you seeing that works in terms of like bringing in new clients versus what doesn't work? Um, wow. Uh, for me, thank you for the weird title of being the, the, the uncrowned king of social media. I am an idiot at social media. Uh, I'm not very good at it, but my team is. Um, I've, I've chosen to invest in having people around me that are good at this stuff. Uh, and over all the different social media bases that we, we are on, we are right below a million followers um, doing all sorts of things about Nordic history and Nordic tattooing. And that's one of the big things that I started focusing on is it's not just tattoos. It's also the history, not of Nordic tattoos, but of, of Vikings and Celts and Picts and so on um, that I started picking up on. And I use this to promote other tattoo artists because um, my, my side project, this webshop thing, took off and became, you know, a viable um, retirement plan. And as I started to think about that, then I also started to think about, oh, well, what happens when I stop tattooing or what happens to all these people that do write me and ask for me to tattoo them from all over the world and I don't have time to tattoo them or I don't want to tattoo them because the project is not just my thing. I have nowhere to send these people. So we started harvesting information on tattoo artists from all over the world to try and build up this... Um, basically a catalog. We're releasing it in about a month um, so that people all over the world have, have access to this. I became very altruistic uh, because of COVID, really, because I realized that I got through COVID um, as an artist because I had a big social media base already back then. It's much bigger now, but back then I had enough to make a Kickstarter and survive. But a lot of artists, they didn't. They were fucked. Um, and I've been given so much by the tattoo community, the, the world of tattooing. I've given much, but I've been given much, much more um, than I've, I've had a chance to give back. So I just decided that, fuck it, I need to be altruistic. There's karma. I fervently believe in karma. So start giving back. So that's, that's a weird direction that things have taken from me. I've even now forgotten the, the actual source of your question. I'm just rambling. So please stop me. What what do you post on social media, Peter? That works. What brings in clients? Um, all, all everything you just said. Okay, I would if I were to recommend something. It's actually, I I think something we should catch in this episode of your podcast is a bit of advice to other tattoo artists because I know that there's others out there listening. I would always recommend people to specialize and take their specialization and make it unique. Or to wonderful other tattoo artists, guests, Benny and Sylvan. I have told them both in the time that I've known them, take what you do 
and hyper-specialize. Up the scale, change something, make it yours, own it. Because if you're just generic, you can be as good as it fucking gets. But if what you do and what you put out there is generic, there will be no traction. You need to create something that is yours. And when you start doing that, there's so much more joy in it for you as an artist to create your own. It becomes something that you actually feel strongly about. And that in itself, the fact that you're passionate about what you do, that will fuel your career. Because when you then talk about it on social media, when you make videos of your tattoos, you will take that extra bit of time to take good photos, make good videos, talk about it, write about it. There will be more to it. And all of these things, they're all small things, but it all adds up in the end. And that will help fuel your social media. Besides from that, just remember, social media is a constantly changing monster. Um, Fucking Instagram changes their algorithms every five minutes. Read up on it. Learn what the hell is going on. Learn what format you need to use for your photos and videos. Learn what music you need to put on TikTok and stuff like that. It's all a nightmare, but it's all necessary because we are, sadly, as artists, quite dependent on social media. Um, so, that, yeah, that is uh, as firm as a pile of advice that I can regurgitate in a short moment. Yeah, I'd like to have a different aspect of sort of an answer to that my the way i see it is if if i am productive enough if i paint enough if i'm passionate about what i do uh at one point or a certain level you will all you need is one client who you meet who gets what you what drives you and then he can share this experience to the world so Maybe, yeah, I mean, social media, as Peter says, it's always changing. But if you're passionate about about what you do uh, and you're productive and you put the work down, then everything comes from there. It You have to be, but you have to be 100% in, into that. I don't spend uh, or I, I don't uh, hire people for, for doing the social media uh, communication for now or yet or anyways but uh i'm not sure it's necessary because i know tattoo artists who are giants who work so well who are super talented artists and they don't even have a phone number that you can reach them at at the shop they have a private phone and not even a website not even instagram and they're just legend and you can see the quality of their work on someone who's walking by and you get super passionate about what's that tattoo and it's one person after another so the human aspect of tattooing is still central i think i mean social media yeah it, it, it's important you can get uh, loads of communication that way but it's also something real it's also something that you can see that you can feel on someone if you see the tattoos of of Peter, for example, they're beautiful and you can spot them from a mile away. And if it's a good tattoo done by him or, you know, Philip Lou or any other great artist out there, uh, uh, you can spot who did that and you can and you can be passionate about it the, the same way. Um, well, yeah, I, I agree with what Peter and Sylvan said. Um, but I, I think that um, uh, unless you like Philippe Lou or something like that, um, you can be a great artist. You can be amazing at what you do extremely talented tattooer but you have to know how to sell your products 
um, very few people are lucky enough to not have to go through this hole of having to sell it online or do TikToks or Reels or whatever you have to do now. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. You have to do it. It's, uh, I think it's mandatory nowadays um, for everyone, really, uh, except a few lucky people. But on what, what Tuan was saying about the human aspect of it, you know, it's, it still is. And, you know, one-on-one -on -one, uh, doing the tattoo. And there's something that I encounter a lot with tattoos that I've worked with, that I, that I have or I'm working with. Some people lack this human aspect. Um, you got to treat your customer with respect. Uh, you got to be on time, showered, uh, maybe have a drawing for them, uh, not show up <laughs> drunk, you know, because you can be great. You can be the best. You can pay a lot to do marketing, but if you can't show up with a design, it, it, you know, there's this, that human aspect is very, very important. And one weird thing that, that I did, or uh, we kind of did at the shop uh, to attract more customers, which was kind of the initial question. We raised the prices. Uh, that kind of worked. Uh, I was terrified. Uh, I could not believe that it worked, but it did. So yeah, go take the price a bit higher. Uh, respect your work, and it it genuinely works. Um, it's funny because I, when I listen to what you said, it it makes me think about you know billboards in the sense that a billboard might get you a customer, and the more billboards you have, might get you more customers. But if the billboard's not good in and of itself, no one's going to notice it and no one's going to want to buy the product in the same way that your tattoos need to be good first and foremost for people to want to get them, but it helps get the message out there. But the base of it is still the good tattoo. And I know myself that, um, you know, I have gotten tattoos off an artist initially because I saw them on Instagram. I really liked their stuff and it went. But what kept me coming back was the experience of the shop, of being with the artist, of the actual tattoo that has kept me coming back. And I've actually, some of my friends have gone to the same artist because they've seen my tattoo and they're like, oh, that's really good. Then looked at the guy's, you know, Instagram and think, oh, I kind of like what they do. And then that process begins of the consultation of like, here's my idea. Is this something you can do? Let's work together. And I think it kind of encapsulates everything we've talked about in this episode of from curating the atmosphere of the shop to be something that feels lived in and has grown with the artist too. The artist is not just the pictures on Instagram. It's so much more. It's, you know, the experience of going to them and working with them. And I know, Peter and Sylvan, you have quite long processes of consultation with the client and working with them to bring the idea to life. It's sort of like building a relationship with the artist in a way. You are carrying their art on your skin for the rest of your life. And I think I do think in some ways I agree with Benny and Sylvan that it is important, but it, I feel like people are staring at the wrong target. They're trying to figure out, OK, how do I game the system to get more followers, to get more eyes on my stuff rather than doing what Peter has done in a smart way and think, well, how can I be different rather than how can I be better than everyone else? Uh, being being the better being better than anyone else is not really important. You gotta be best at being yourself. I, I've been asked before, do you, do you think that you're the best Nordic tattoo artist out there? And I don't. I think I'm the best at being me. Um, but that's fucking easy. Um, I'm I'm the best at doing very specifically what I do, what I've developed, and that's as long as I focus on that and I don't feel like I'm trying to compete with everyone else, then I have space to grow. Um, but I also fervently believe that you are, as kind of like Benny hinted at, you're only ever as good as the last tattoo you did. 
because the tattoos that walk out of your shop, they are your brand. And if you start fucking up because you walk in hungover or didn't bring a drawing for your client or came in late and you had to do a rush job, what leaves your studio is half-assed. And that has a much heavier echo than a good tattoo. Yeah. Be, be uh, yourself and also give 100% because your customers deserve that. Uh, whenever I do a sleeve or a back piece or, or even a small tattoo, it might be the last time I see that person. Maybe, I, maybe they're not going to come back again because they're going to move out or you know, for any kind of reason, I'm not going to tattoo them again or I, I need my work to be standing up for itself And I need uh, my, my, my body and my brain to be as sharp as I can to do the work and do it the best way I, I can. Because as you said, Peter, it's, it's, I mean, any tattoo you do is a signature. Yeah, and the clients are super dependent on us because most people that get tattooed, and I mean, honestly, most of them are not artists. They don't know how to get the optimal result. That is on us. So being... Being at our best is always bloody important. Um, can I ask a question of you, Benny, by the way, now that we're, we're talking social media and stuff like that. Back, back when I was uh, the ruler of the insane kingdom that is Meat Shop Tattoo, I, always, I was always on your backs about social media, about taking pictures, about posting. Do you still do that? Because you have more tattoo artists now than the studio had when I had it, which is insane, because back when I had it, it was already a fucking... Oh God, it was so, so big and so like chaotic and trying to help and harness all that energy was really tough. But that was one of my consistent things that I put towards all the artists. Do social media, take photos and get it out there. Do you still do that? Uh, yeah, I, I've always uh, been a fan of using this free tool uh, that exposes us everywhere. So I'm always in favor of uploading my drawings, my designs, my tattoos. Even the ones that I like less, the ones I like most, it doesn't. I'm 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 happy with using it. And in the shop, there most of us are okay. We help each other out. Uh, we try and give feedback to each other how which things work better than others. But there is a portion of tattooers who believe that this is just some horrible thing that they have to do, and they are not interested at all in uploading any content. They find it like a chore. Um, And they expect uh, people to discover or to like their artwork magically. Then uh, I will never understand why people don't want to use this tool, which is it's free. I mean, you don't even have to pay for it. Um, you don't even have to have good um, filming um, abilities or photography abilities. You can do it with the same iPhone, everything. Um, So yeah, I, I try to encourage people, but um, I don't want to be that person who is constantly uh, molesting people into do this. Um, we're all adults in the tattoo world, so you know I can always advise, but I don't like won't force anyone. Benny, I have a I have a suggestion because uh, I found some kind of a hack. Uh, personally, I think uh, social media is kind of a trap for me because I I end up caught up in it. If I stare at my phone for hours, my, my, my brain is empty afterwards, and I tend to spend a lot more time on it than, than actually working for it, if you know what I mean. But 
the uh, the the escape that I found um, when I I mean I don't want to post everything I I tattoo because I got already so many pictures and I feel like this is a lot of time inv- invested in it. So I'd rather post glimpses of my work, maybe try to find an interesting angle or pictures that give a part of an idea. And then customers who can see your your Instagram page, instead of seeing a display of tattoos all ready to, to, to choose from as, as if it was like a flashes on the wall, instead of that, they have just glimpses of close-ups uh, or an interesting lighting. Uh, and the quality of the pictures can do a lot for you. Uh, I was thinking about that because if you have that approach, it's not necessary to post every day. And for those who find a, a Instagram a hassle, maybe it's a way out, or maybe I'm doing it wrong and everything is is out. But for me, I kind of lost interest uh, of, uh, of you know the promotion on Instagram because it's. It's changing all the time. I don't know if it's working. Half of the people on Instagram are, are just robots, and it's and 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 <laughs> nothing feels real on that thing anymore. <laughs> but, but that is the thing, Sylvan. Like it, uh, Instagram and similar, it is made to be traps that makes us addicted to it. And what you say about like you don't feel like you have to post every day, that is true because you are a well-established artist. Uh, you are well-established in your area. You have clientele that. Uh, your studio and your career functions very much on word of mouth because you've tattooed for longer than social media has been around to fuck with our lives. Oh, but for example, right. <laughs> when you own a, a when yeah, <laughs> when you own a tattoo studio like uh, Meat Shop, where there's so many artists, and I assume that there's still like younger artists that come into Meat Shop, they get a job, they start doing all the walk-ins and stuff like that. That was how we did it when when I was there. Um, they need support. They need to be put out there. But that also means there needs to be consistency because the algorithms of the internet gods are demanding. They want sacrifices. You have to bloody hell post all the fucking time. Um, You have to put things in the stories for them to be seen. There's these programmed mechanisms and they are are nightmarish. And to make it worse, Instagram doesn't tell you these things. You have to guess. You have to learn from other social media influencers. How do I post? What's the best time? There is outsourced programs that can read when is the optimal time for you to post your work? When is your audience most active? When will you get most likes? Because if you post a photo and it has a lot of likes, then it is spread out by Instagram to more people automatically. So it's, it's this ridiculous trap. And when you don't do it, nothing much happens. Let me give you an example. My, my own Instagram, northernblack.oak, didn't really grow more than 100 to 200 followers a month. Because it was just me running it. All of our other accounts were run by um, Haywood, my social media guru, and his team. Uh, but then we started focusing on mine because we wanted to do something with it. I forget what. It's not important. It has now grown 12,000 followers in a month instead. Instead of 200. 12,000. From 200 to 12,000. Because we obeyed the rules of the internet. Now, 12,000 followers might not be money in the bank to most people. But to me, it's a tool that I can then utilize. I can reach out to these people and sell my books. And I can reach out to these people and show them tattoo artists from all over the world that does Nordic tattoos, meaning that more people will get good Nordic tattoos and I have to repair less shitty tattoos, which is wonderful for me. Um, (laughs) I say arrogantly. Um, But 
there's a there's a very very big gap to bridge between um, Philippe Le and his career being God uh, and where I am. Uh, I know that I'm well established within my field, but I am quite dependent on social media in one format or another. Uh, and younger tattoo artists than me, I've been around for 12 years doing this, they're tattoo artists who've been here for five minutes and they are very dependent on social media and some of them get it and they get it right and they go through the roof in no time. They have an angle, they have the right pictures, they, they catch the train just at the right moment and it's wonderful for them. There are so many others that have to struggle because they don't have a chance to understand this weird labyrinth that social media is. And um, something that I want to add on, something that I want to add on to that as well, Peter, is that they might grab that train, but that train also has stops as well. That unfortunately, with social media, there is trends and there is cycles of what's cool and what's not cool. What people see on social media that gets shared and. Some art that might align with some artists at a particular time, but unfortunately, that trend might move on, and then suddenly they mightn't be as popular on social media. But Sylvan, you were going to say you, something, and you don't get a memo for it. Yep, Sylvan, you were saying, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so my absolutely my I understand that my point of view is based on some. Uh, well, if, if you're a new tattooer, then obviously it's it's a it's a lot different. But also, maybe if you get to the point where you have a certain base of customers then you can just take care of those people and then it kind of works for you then it really depends on it really depends on how or where you want to go from there also i guess um because from your point of view um having more and more and more people interested in following your work has a, an impact on your books and has an impact on uh on a lot of other things and um it's 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 a truly good uh, tool. I mean, if if you know how to use it, so uh, I I don't have an answer for everyone, but I realize that my perspective is is kind of a, a, a different than uh, than yours somehow. Yeah, uh, at the same time, like we talked about something a long time ago. I'm not. I don't know if you remember. I think we were in Gruyere at the time, chatting about careers. And I said, and I wished that I'd had an apprenticeship with someone like you, because one, I would have liked to learn <laughs> things in a sturdy way, because like, I had to guess half of my career, at least, is guesswork. And I would have loved to have um, the shelter of someone that had an established career in an established grouping of people where I could spend four years learning my trade and finding clients within your commune of clients that would start getting tattooed by me, a more calm way to build up. Because my career has, from not day one, but from day 100, been like fifth gear, 90 miles an hour, and a hell of a lot of work. There's, there's very little calm about my career. Luckily, there's not much calm inside my head. So that's okay. We get along, my career and me. But I would have loved to have an upbringing within the tattoo industry in a studio like yours, with a person like you, where I could have learned the ropes the right way. I'm jealous of those that get it, and I would never recommend anyone in the world to like do that whole, like, oh, I went on Amazon or eBay and bought a tattoo kit and just started tattooing, and now I have to tattoo my friends, and they all want cheap tattoos, and I don't know how to clean up. I don't even know hygiene. I don't know how what cross-contamination is. 
fuck, don't ever fucking do that. Get a bloody apprenticeship if you ever get the well, chance. That's actually a perfect segue into my next question. It, the, our last two questions we've talked so much about, you know, to shop owners, to other tattooists. I want to ask what's your advice? And you mentioned about the Amazon tattoo machines and everything. And I, f- I find that a lot of advice that comes from tattooists directed towards both apprentices and customers can come across a lot like they're speaking down to you know customers like don't do this don't do that don't do this and the same with apprentices that you know you know don't do this don't do that what is some you know positive constructive advice you could give to customers to have a better experience as you know getting tattooed or dealing with a tattooist and potential apprentices who want to get into the industry (laughs) okay Two good pieces of advice for the clients out there. Trick number one, you can Zoom on the internet, on your phone, on Instagram. You can look at a photo and you can Zoom. And if the line work you see is shit, it's because the tattoo artist is probably shit. Um, (laughs) Stuff like that. You can actually see the quality of a tattoo on the internet. So the anxiety-inducing experience of walking into a tattoo shop where there might be a big old biker behind the counter, you don't have to go through that before you choose to contact them. You can check out their work first. And when you then do walk into the studio, if you get a bad vibe, walk out. Even if you put down a deposit, walk out. You don't want that shit connected to you. Just cut your losses and walk out and find someone that you want to get tattooed by because you're going to be spending a lot of time in their company and they will be stabbing you with a needle 100 times a second you want this to be a good experience. That is the best advice I can give to clients. Yeah, I would add something also. It's uh, mainly listen to your heart, you know, uh, uh, look at the quality of the work. That's absolutely very important. And then if you see the work uh, and genuinely are interested into what you see, if you like what you see, go meet the artist and then Check out the vibe. If if something speaks to you, if you feel comfortable with the person, that's a good idea. But also uh, take your time because nowadays there's so many tattooers out there. There's so many people who are actually not having enough work and they'll be sometimes ready to do the tattoo that shouldn't be doing on you just because, well, you have money in your pocket. And, uh, well, maybe... Um, a tattoo on your forehead is not that much of a good idea, even if uh, COVID just stopped uh, recently. So if someone tells you no, sometimes it comes from a good place and uh, and then there's you know, a conversation that can start or whatever. But yeah, what I, what I mean is um, take your time and uh, check out the quality of the work and see how you feel about the arts because you're going you're gonna to live with it. Uh, when it's, once it's done on you, it's there. It's staying. So uh, I don't care if your friend just bought a machine and is tattooing half of the town in, in his bathtub. It's cool. But, it, I mean, one day you'll be it's 40. It's not cool. <laughs> well, it's not cool. <laughs> but what, what do had, we know? It's not a in a bathtub, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm, 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 too, I'm too old to know what's cool anymore. But I know it's going <laughs> to stay for long. <laughs> You want to wear your stuff for life, so imagine yourself aging with whatever you choose. And um, well, that's also a big question uh, uh, about what motivates people to get tattooed. Uh, 
because there's those trends that are very popular now. And uh, I mean, as long as it makes you happy, it's what, what matters. But on the other hand, I'm, I'm driven into the idea that I'm trying to make the best work I can with what I know. I'm trying to, to do nice tattoos. That's just what I want to do. Some people don't care about that. Say they, they want it you know, rough and crude or whatever, but you got to find someone who, who uh, feels the same way about what you want to get that you do, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with uh, party tattoos and eBay machines. And finally, so someone said it. Finally, someone said it. Not, not so much about the hepatitis party. That, I'm, not, I'm not in favor of that. But get a shitty tattoo machine, ruin all your friends' uh, thighs. I'm, I'm down. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm more than happy with this. Um, I, I, Peter and Sylvan and myself, I do the Japanese in a way. And, you know, very elaborate, very traditional, very large pieces. And, and what these uh, trend, as we call it, um, is the opposite. It's similar to music. Um, you know, you got s- symphonic rock, Pink Floyd, and then you got punk, uh, three guys that don't know how to play, basically. And that is just like the counter of what was happening. So the opposite of Philippe Liu is, uh, I don't know, a deck chair badly tattooed with an eBay machine. Auto Christ. Do, do, your, do uh, you, Auto Christ or whatever. Do, do, you, do you think uh, they are opposite, opposite on the spectrum? I think they are a reaction, just like a punk could have been to symphonic rock or trap music is to music nowadays. But, but punk music like, is a reaction to authority, but Philippe Bleu is not authority. He's just Philippe Bleu. Maybe it gets the establishment of what music was at the time. It was heard on the radio, uh, the establishment. Political, yes, but um, the establishment. And I think it's the same uh, trap music in a way. is kids at home who download a five-euro app and make beats. It's the same as buying a five-euro machine on eBay and tattooing your friends. I'm okay with it, as long as no hepatitis party. Uh, I think my main issue is the risks that are involved in, you know, unlearned tattooing. Um, Very often, I get to cover up bad tattoos, and it actually tends to fuel my creativity that I have to come up with solutions how to cover old things, which I, strangely enough, appreciate. But... um, I think you're right that buying a shitty machine and tattooing shitty things on your weird-ass friends, it has a hell of a lot to do with that whole, like, well, fuck it. Fuck them them guys that has a tattoo shop and you have to pay loads of money for a tattoo. I can do this for cheap and free. Strangely enough, we do tend to encounter these people later in their lives when they've decided that now they would probably like something that fixes their shit. Um, but, yeah, I, I understand your sentiment. It's It's funny to hear... From you, Benny, because you are you're a well-established artist. Also, you're probably the best walk-in tattoo artist I have ever encountered, and you're fucking good at dealing with people that you've never met before. So it, it's a little bit terrifying to hear that from your mouth. <laughs> I, I understand. I am I am more on the conservative spectrum. You know, tattoo should be properly done, and you shouldn't tattoo someone's hand unless they have many tattoos before, etc. But on the other side, I I totally get it. I and I think um, these these younger generation, let's call them, or these um, you know trend breakers or whatever uh, tattooers have have their space and have the right to do these. In my point of view, uh, very badly done tattoos. 
Well, actually, to be honest, uh, most of everyone, me included, we started uh, by, you know, buying, getting a machine and starting tattooing. And But, I mean, over 20 years ago, there was no internet, uh, not really. And, and, and nobody would tell you, hell, nobody would tell you how to do it. So... Basically, you were considered cool if you knew someone who knew someone who was tattooing. So it was just so different back then. And, um, and I mean, uh, so we all started tattooing at one point, and it wasn't good, and then it got better. I'm, I'm not saying that new tattooers should, should never uh, tattoo, but you've got to be super careful about hygiene and everything, and also be... Uh, aware that you're maybe fucking up the work that you could have later because let's say okay i don't have anything against uh you know backyard tattooers or whatever uh you get your machine you have your 30 friends 50 friends that want to get a tattoo from you you don't know shit about tattooing you don't care about all the old good tattoo artists that are actually actually going to ask money for their work so you're going to do a whole bunch of tattoos for free on 50 people. And you're going to do 50 shitty tattoos on people. And then, well, they might not want to come back to you because their experience was what it was. And then that's your portfolio. And that's what you're sticking with for the next, I don't know, how, many, how much time is it going to last? You know, until yeah, you're going to wake up in the morning and be good at tattooing. You fucked over 50 tattoos. And those 50 tattoos are all there was or maybe you know that's why I, I i picture it i tattoo every every tattoo i do i try to make the best i can because maybe they're not, not going to come back so preparation is key i was thinking about that just before uh, my advice to anyone who wants to start tattooing draw more you can never draw too much draw more you know Maybe you draw with an iPad, maybe you draw with paper, I don't care. As long as you are productive and work your ass off because this is this is the preparation. Once you're sticking a needle into the body of someone, it's just not going to fall off and, and you have one shot because it's permanent. I would also say that like, if you want to be a tattoo apprentice, bring your sketchbook. Fuck your finished drawings that you've polished for 30 hours. I don't care about them. I want to see your gritty, grubby sketchbooks that's full of weird ideas. I want to see your creative process because it is so much more interesting for me to evaluate a person's future as an artist from their sketches than it is from something that they have precisely finickied with a specific pencil for a bazillion years. I don't get anything from that. Anyone can, in principle, do that. It is the process. It is your creative energy that I want to see. Um, so yeah, keep drawing. It's bloody important. Um, I think that is a perfect, perfectly natural point to end this. I'm sure all three of you could talk for hours and hours on any question I could. Well, put to I'm you, gonna, but... I have to stop you, Thomas, because I realized from what what has since been said since the beginning, I need to redact something I said. When I said, just go out and get your faces tattooed and shit, it's not serious sound advice. It's more, <laughs> uh, just don't, don't come back at me with an email going, but you said on a podcast. I, it's not, it is true. I did say that, but I didn't mean it that way. 
consider what the fuck you're going to have done. If you seriously want to get a head tattoo done, choose a good artist, choose the right design and so on. The creative process is important. Find someone that knows their shit. Your face is on display every day. Make some sound choices. Uh, just before I get caught up in a whirlwind of shit. Thank you. Sorry, Thomas, you may continue. Uh, P- Peter's going to get cancelled for telling people to get their face tattooed but I want to thank all of you gentlemen for coming on the show it's been a really fascinating conversation not just as from my perspective as a customer but I'm sure for each of you as a shop owner and from all of the tattooists the shop owners the people who dream of owning their own shop who are listening at home the apprentices with their grubby sketchbooks uh, thank you to all three of you Um where can people find you? You've all mentioned your studios. How can people contact you, book you? How long is your waiting list? Let us all know. Peter's going to be like, you have to wait five years to get a tattoo off me. Yeah, six months. Six to eight months is how far out I want to book because my life constantly changes and there might be another bout of pandemic. So I don't want to book too far out anymore. So yeah, six to eight months. Uh, anything Northern Black, northernblack.oak, northernblack.com, uh, stuff like that. Northernblack.shop. Northern Black. Then you can find me. Just not on Twitter, because fuck Elon Musk. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not that booked in advance. Um, usually between one and two months in the in, in the future, I can probably tattoo you. And um, yeah, you can find me at Benny and the shop is Meat Shop Tattoo on Instagram. I don't really have TikTok or any other thing. I focus only on Instagram. Yeah, so you. You can get tattooed by me. Uh, my waiting list is usually around nowadays. It's usually between two or three months. Uh, if you're only available on Saturdays, it can be a little bit longer than that. But uh, yeah, you can email me on uh, at um, it's Sylvan Tattoo uh, at me dot com, or you can check out my website where you have more info information. Uh, that's www.tattooadink.com. C O M, so T A T T O O A D D I N K. It'll be in the uh, description. Right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is how old school you are. You still say www and assume that that is needed information. It's 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 horrible. I feel just so you know outside of, uh, of this world when I talk to you guys. Well, you so you said something so nice, Peter. Uh, uh, well, I'm I'm learning now. You know, I'm I'm still learning every day, and uh, I feel like you guys are so on point on social media and very efficient at what you do and that sort of communication. And I'm just well winging it. Uh, <laughs> I I can't really uh, do everything uh, uh, and 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 handle everything as well as you do. But I'm very. Uh, I'm, I'm very admirative to uh, to your work, guys. <laughs> We're still just winging it. I have seven people working for me. We're all just still winging it. That's it. <laughs> um, and if you enjoy listening to people winging it, uh, you can listen to more of this podcast on all good streaming platforms. It's Beneath the Skin. If you have heard it through uh, any of my guests' Instagrams, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beneath Skin Pod. I think Instagram is Beneath the Skin Pod. If you like this episode and want to hear episodes like this early or bonus episodes, you can find us on Patreon for as little as five quid a month. You can get 
two extra episodes per month plus all the other episodes early and some extra goodies if you subscribe at the 15 pound tier you can get a signed copy of matt's book uh, painted people a history of tattooing in 21 people uh, i always get the title wrong i probably got it wrong there uh, you can get that signed and sent directly to you if, if you subscribe for as little as one month at the 15 pound tier thank you very much from me uh, bye <laughs>